Turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. We're going to be in uh, just three verses this morning, uh, actually four verses, verses 24 to 27. I titled this morning's message, Running and Fighting to Win. And... Whenever you get down, as I already shared, you get down to year's end. There's all these things that start going through your mind. And when I start thinking about the new year of 2015, for me personally, for my own walk in the Lord. And I also think about your walks in the Lord, too, as a pastor in this church. But when I'm thinking about my own walk. And where I'm headed in 2015, for me personally, I want to go further. I want want to go further in my relationship with the Lord. I want to go further in my walk with Christ. I don't really want, and, and hopefully you don't either, want 2015 to be the same as 2014. I think we always are kind of looking for improvements, aren't we? Sometimes it's just going on a diet. Sometimes, you know, people do all these New Year's resolutions at year end, and they they got all these big ideas of what they think is going to happen for the new year. I've already had thoughts of that myself, different things. And a lot of those things, they never come to pass the way we think. But I'll tell you one area that I think we cannot really compromise in. And I, and I believe it, it, it takes really uh, some real discipline to do these things. And that comes to your relationship with Christ. All of us as Christians, to maintain our walks into, to, in our walks with Christ, we all have to do it the same way. We don't have some of us getting there different ways. Really, it's prescribed the same way for all of us in God's word. In our, in our text this morning, the Apostle Paul, who wrote the, uh, the letter, this letter to the church at Corinth, uh, Paul obviously was a master teacher. Like our Lord, uh, he was one that a lot of times used illustrations uh, in being able to teach. He would use something common of the day so that the people could relate to it. And they, you know, they would pick up on these illustrations and they'd go, I get it. I get what you're saying. And so Paul was one of those teachers that could use these illustrations and bring them out so that as he's writing this letter, the people are understanding really what is being said. If you look in the ninth chapter of Corinthians in verse 7, Paul uses an illustration of a soldier. He also uses an illustration of a, a wine grower, vineyards, a wine grower. He uses an illustration of a shepherd in verse 7. In verse 8 and 9, he uses uh, an illustration of oxen. In uh, verse 10, a farmer. In verse 13, he uses an illustration of the priest or the Old Testament priest. 
in verses 14 to 16 the illustration of a preacher. In verse 17, a steward, a steward of a household. In verse 19, a servant. In verse 20, a a Jew, one that was under the law. And then in verse 21, a Jew that was without the law. And then in verse 24 and 25, and that's really our text this morning, he uses this illustration of a runner. And then he uses in verse 26 and 27 a a fighter. How many runners do we have here this morning? Anyone? (laughs) I mean, maybe Shane. No, not even Shane. Okay. I'm not a runner. I hate running. But we know that there's some benefits to it. We know that it can do you some good if you get out there and, and you do it. But running in races were something that in Paul's day, just really as they are today, but this was uh, something of his day that was a picture that every Roman, every Greek would have had in their mind. The races, the running, the Olympics, they would have had all of this ingrained in their thought process and in their mind. And I believe that this illustration really gives us something to go on here because even if you're not a runner, and I'm not, we know when we look at people that are involved with sports, I'm talking about people that actually do well at sports, uh, people that are in the Olympics, people that prepare for that kind of of uh, uh, running or, or uh, these triathlons. We know the effort, we know the discipline, as we see in their lives, that it takes really to get to that place. It's not an easy path. Nor is it an easy path for a Christian, really, to enter into a race. And that's really the picture that, that Paul is giving us here of a runner that we're all running a race and we're all in it together. Really, even if you're not a runner, you're a runner in the Lord. We're all in this race together and we're all and all should be running. But there's certain things spiritually that we must do to do well and to really be able to get to the end of the finish line and to be able to get there and do well in this race. Paul here likens our Christian walk unto running a race and to fighting a fight. You know, one thing about Paul is that this man had this great zeal and this passion for lost souls. I don't think we could read next to our Lord. We can't really read of anybody else probably in the New Testament, that we'd say, man, that guy has a passion for the lost. This man was sold out completely for the sake of seeing people come to know Christ. When we read about Paul's life, many of us say to ourselves, or at least we should, I want to be like that. I would like to mimic that. I would like to be that kind, have that kind of zeal 
inside for people that I don't even know, that I'd have that kind of compassion and zeal for them. That was Paul. You know, in the ancient, uh, in ancient Greece, the Olympic Games, and then they trace those back to like 700 B.C., the Olympics that we even watch today when they're held, the Olympic Games, uh, they also had uh, the Ismian Games that followed the Olympics. And really the Ismian Games was the year before the Olympics, they would have the Ismian Games, and then the year after the Olympics, they would have the Ismian Games. The Ismian Games is what was taking place really in this area that Paul is writing to here at Corinth. There was a, there's a little uh, isthmus uh, that connects uh, Athens to Corinth. If you look in your Bible, in your map, back of your Bibles, you'll see a map probably, and you'll see that there's this little piece of land that connected there between Athens and Corinth. It was on that little piece of connecting land that they would hold these games, these Olympics that would be held there. As Paul is writing this letter, here to the the believers at Corinth, they understood completely what he was talking about when he was talking about running the race and a runner and and these Olympians. But what we see in these verses, in verse 24 to 27 this morning, I really have broken it down really into just three parts. That our running or the principles of our running this race and the discipline and the preparation that we need in fighting the fight uh, really is what Paul is bringing out here to these believers. He says that we're to run as believers with a goal in sight. And I guess I could ask us all the question this morning, do you have the goal in sight? Are you, or, or do you feel like sometimes you're just running aimlessly? But do you actually have a goal in sight ahead of you? Do you see the finish line ahead of you? I think it's important for us as believers that we do. Secondly, that we would be running with self-control. That's a big one. Running with self-control. And then thirdly, running to win. Are we running to win? Are you, if, if we're all in the race, and we are, are you running to win? I, I, I mean, are, are you just in the race? I'm not quite sure where I'm going to, but are you actually running to win this thing? I think it's important. These athletes of this day that, as Paul was writing this, they trained hard. Uh, not only did they train, but they abstained from things. The things that the common person might have felt they had the liberty to eat and indulge themselves in, a lot of these athletes would abstain from those things because they knew that it would be detrimental, really, to the race and what was ahead of them. They had to train for it. Uh, these and really athletes are today, they're, they're typically highly motivated people. Uh, they're, you know, 
I, I, you know, I, I put a treadmill in front of me and I'm thinking, you know, am I going to get on that thing or not? These men or women, they're highly motivated to get on that thing. They're disciplined in doing it. They get on that treadmill, so to speak, and they work it out. They also, I believe, have set goals in life. They, they have a certain goals that they're trying to obtain. And, and I believe as, as Christians that we should do the same. What do I want to see different in my life for 2015? What changes would I like to see transpire in me for this next year? That I might move ahead in my walk with Christ. That I might be more fruitful even. That I, that I might have be used of the Lord in a greater way. Those are things that I'm thinking about in my own mind. What do I need to do to step it up? They exercise this self-control. They discipline themselves for one reason. They want to win. They want to win the race. And they go through all those grueling tasks to get there. All of it to win a prize. And did you know that the prize that they won back in these uh, Corinthian games, we could call them, wasn't much. There were some benefits. Actually, if you were an Olympian and you won, uh, you might be tax-exempt for the rest of your life. You didn't have to pay taxes. You see, they liked being able to build a statue of you and put it on the entrance into those games and put that statue uh, right there of you winning that particular game you might be exempt from taxes but you know what was the most important thing to that person running that race was getting that crown at the end to get that crown now that crown that they gave out at these games and there was actually really four main events that happened that uh, that included these uh, running uh, different types of sports but running was one of them uh, in the Olympic Games, they would get a crown of, or a garland of olive branches that would go around their head. In uh, another one of their uh, games, the Pythian Games, they would get a, a wreath or a garland of laurel, or we would call them bay leaves, that they would get around their head. Uh, the Nemean Games they got a crown of wild celery. If you've ever seen celery stalks, this must have been important in the day, and they would wind those things up and make that into a crown. And then for the Isthmian games that I was talking about, it would be a garland of either, it started out as wild celery, but it later became pine leaves or pine needles, and they basically make a crown. That doesn't seem too valuable. Not like our, our gold, you know, thing they get today. They, but this is what they ran the race for. To receive the honor of receiving that crown at the end of the race. That's what they, that was what it was all about. Turn in your Bibles to 2 Timothy 
chapter 4, Paul writes this in verse 6. He says, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. Paul says his days are winding down. He knew that he was coming to the end of his race. And this is what he says. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race and I have kept the faith. That was Paul's testimony. My prayer is that that would be my testimony. When I cross that finish line, when you cross your finish line someday, whether it's the Lord coming back to take us or you just pass on and you go to be with the Lord, you're going to cross that line, that finish line. He says, finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me in that day, and not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. That's what Paul was striving for. I'm running, I'm in this race with you, and I'm running it with all of my might so that I might obtain that crown at the end. You think about it, really these insignificant garland headpieces that were given out for the person that won. We read in verse 25 of Corinthians here, back in our text, Paul says, Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. You think of all this, the discipline, all the strife, everything that was involved for them to be the runner that they wanted to be, to win that race, so that they could just win that perishable crown. How much more an imperishable crown? How much more should we as Christians discipline ourselves, uh, have this zeal and this drive inside a goal set in mind I see the finish line I'm going to press hard even when my flesh even when myself says you know what I can't even get out of bed today I'm just tired you know life is running me down and you know what our flesh tells us that day in and day out doesn't it I mean I, I, I we look at this world It can be depressing to you. You can get depressed and just kind of check out of things in life. Stop running towards the goal. You know, Satan can't take your salvation, can he? But he can do everything he can to hammer away at your walk, to make you so that you're really not that fruitful. You're kind of motoring along in life as a Christian. You're making it. You're saved. You're going to heaven. You you have that security. You have even that joy at times in the Lord. But you know what? You're just not pressing on. I think we have to discipline this flesh, don't we? We have to really, as Paul said, beat it into subjection. It tells me one thing. My spirit, my mind tell me another. I, I meant, Lord, I just... I want to go more wholeheartedly for you. I want, to be, I want to be more diligent in reading my word. 
I want to spend more time praying and, and talking with you and hearing from you. I want to do those things. My mind tells me those things all the time. But then my flesh. Oh, God, I can't even get... No, I, I started out well. I, I started reading my Bible every day, and then all of a sudden it was down to three times, and then it was down, and now I hardly pick up my word anymore. It's our flesh. Paul had the same flesh. He had to beat it into subjection. Not literally, but he, he knew what his flesh was capable of doing. We need to have this goal in sight. In verse 24, we read, Do you not know that those who run in a race all run? But one receives the prize. Run in such a way that you may obtain it. You see, we're all in the race. It's not just one or two of us that are in here running this race. If you're a born-again Christian and you know Christ as your Lord and Savior, you entered the race whether you like to run or not. You're in the race. But we're to run in such a way that we may obtain this prize. This prize that's going to be at the end. But here's something else we need to know. Typically in a race, there's only one winner. But there's going to be more than one winners, more than one. As a matter of fact, if you know Christ, you will cross the finish line. But how will you cross? When you cross over that line, uh, what kind of shape will you be in? Will you be one just coming across, you know, chest stretched out at the end and hitting that finish line? Or will you just be one of those that's just gasping for air as you come across? I barely made it. I'm here. I'm in heaven. I made it. But that's about all I can say. I just made it across the line. Praise the Lord, we made it. But... We want to be able to cross that finish line victoriously in a, in a, in a, in a well-done way. I believe that all Christians should have a personal goal of obtaining that prize. You all know yourself. Some people are very diligent I know of brothers and sisters in the Lord that my wife is one of them, very diligent about getting up and having her devotional time in the morning. She gets up and she has her time. There are very few days that pass that she would actually miss having a devotional time, very few. She's very diligent in it. And I know lots of people that are like that. They have, a, they have prayer time that they commit to the Lord every single day. Those are goals and things that we could say to ourselves, Lord, I want to be more like that in my discipline, and I want to have these goals that I'm reaching for. God, I can't do it apart from you. I need your strength to do it. God, help me. But you know what? There is a part, and a lot of times as Christians, we call out for God. Help us in this because I'm so 
bad about this. I'm so undisciplined in these areas. God, would you help me? And, and that should be our prayer. But you know what? With that prayer, when we pray that, do you know that God requires something on our part? He actually requires us to do something. Not just say, God, if you want me to read my Bible, then you're going to have to make me. <laughs> you're going to have to make me go to church. You're going to have to make me do, you know. No, we have to make a conscious effort on our part to set those goals and say, Lord, strengthen me to stay committed to these things. Help me in these ways, Lord. You see, some Christians are going to finish the race. They start out well. Maybe you're one of them. You got saved and you were just like on fire for the Lord. You couldn't help but tell somebody about Christ, your new relationship with Christ. Those early days, a lot of times for a brand new Christian, is you're, you're just excited about your new relationship with Christ. And then as time goes on, you know, those of us that have been Christians for a while, you kind of lose the edge a little bit. And you kind of, you know, you're not like how you used to be. You're not quite as zealous about the kinds of things you used to be zealous about. And you started out well. But the hard part of the Christian walk is not really the starting out. Because that's when it's all brand new. It's kind of like starting out brand new in a marriage. Those are all the real glory days. And now if you've been married for 45, 50 years, we're supposed to be more in love with our spouse 40 years later, 50 years later than we were the day we got married. It's supposed to work that way. We're not supposed to kind of start falling out of love and we're not, it's not quite the same. And it shouldn't be that way in our, in our walks with Christ or our race with the Lord. We should start out well and seek to be finishing well. The sad part is that there are a lot of Christians that start out well, but they won't finish very well. If anyone ever told you that being a Christian was going to make things easy in life, (laughs) then they lied to you. They told you a lie. Because a person that is pressing forward in their walk with Christ, you're going to encounter some difficulties. You're going to encounter some challenges uh, in doing so. You're going to have an enemy that's not going to like the way that you are spending time with the Lord. It riles our enemy up when you get into God's word. It riles him up for you just to come here to this place and to hear the word of God taught. He doesn't like to see you advancing in your walk. And I believe that as Christians, we need to be, one, aware of that. We need to be on guard. Because our enemy just wants to derail us. Can't take our salvation, but he can derail us at times. The second thing that I think that we see here in our text in verse 25 is that we need to run with self-control. Paul says, And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we 
for an imperishable crown. This word temperate or temperate in all things, it's, it's being moderate is by definition. It's being moderate or it's being self-restrained, not being excessive. It's really the ability to exercise self-control in all things. Maybe some of us here this morning, we need to, uh, to grow in that way, in the way of self-control. Uh, Lord, the, I would be temperate in all things. You see, growing doesn't just happen because you are a Christian. You see, to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior is the easy part. Why? Because he did it all right? He did it all. There's, there's nothing that really you did on your part to be saved except respond to the gospel invitation and you accept Christ and you become a believer. That's, that's the easy part. But growing as a Christian doesn't just happen because you became a Christian. There will be little bits of growth by the sheer fact that the longevity of time that maybe you've been a Christian if you walked with the Lord. But I believe that really growing and growing really uh, stronger and stronger and seeing your life changing and changing day by day and year by year and year after year, you're actually stronger today than you were a year ago in your faith and in your walk with Christ and in your discipline and on all manners of your walk. There's, There's actually something going on in me. And if you can look back on your walk a year ago, five years ago, six months ago, and you say, you know what, I was doing a lot better then than I am now, then the term that we read in Scripture is really backslidden. You know, backsliding is a gradual abandonment from the faith. Not not something that just happens overnight. You know, I, I backslid yesterday. Well, you might have sinned yesterday, but backsliding is a gradual abandonment from the faith. In other words, you, you, you stopped doing this a little bit here, and then it got a little bit more and a little bit more. And before you knew it, it's like, man, I'm just not where I was. That's being backslidden. Growing doesn't just happen because I'm a Christian. It takes effort. It takes discipline. It takes self-control on my part. Just like a, maybe a boxer that is training to fight. All of those disciplines involved, those are the things that I need to discipline myself in. That's my part. That's what God calls me to do on my part. Now you say, well, you know, that sounds like, you know, you're getting into a works kind of a thing. Well, it's not a works thing because God says, I do my part. I saved you. But your part is, is that you have to follow me. I called you. And then you needed to believe. I'm calling you to walk, but you need to do your part in disciplining yourself so that you might grow. God is the one by his spirit that grows us. He does that work by his spirit from the inside out. But our part is is that I've got to get into God's word and let it speak to me, let it convict me, let it exhort me, uh, let it encourage me. But all of those things, I need to put myself in that place. I started 
about three weeks ago. Have you ever done a time management thing? Time management is basically taking your 24-hour clock and saying, okay, I got 24 hours in a day. What can I do in that 24 hours? How much of that is for myself and how much of that is for the Lord? And when you look at your clock, you go, well, God, there's a lot of clock time there that is, has nothing to do with God at all. I mean, if you start doing it, and I did this, you take away uh, your, all your sleep time, that's a big chunk. Take away your eating time. Take away your leisure time. You take away all these things that you normally do on a 24-hour clock, and then you end up with this number. And you say, well, how much of that time have I really committed to the Lord at all? How much time do I spend in his word each day? How much time do I spend praying? You know what I would encourage you to do, and this is what I'm doing in my own, uh, setting the alarm get up at a specific time. And I think the time that for me is a time that, uh, that might hurt. Setting the time that hurts. And the reason why it's better to set it for a time like that, some of us hurt every day because we get up early for work. But setting a time for, that hurts means I'm going to get up because I've got a specific purpose in doing so. And you get up and you spend that time with the Lord. And, and, and when you build that discipline of time uh, into your life, then when you don't do it, you're going to go, God, man, I feel it. God, I didn't, I didn't, it, I didn't have that time. This, and, you, and you feel it and you know it. And it becomes a discipline in your, in your life. And you can do that with every area of your walk with Christ. Lastly, In verse 26 and 27, Paul says that we need to be running to win. We need to be competing for the prize. Look what it says in verse 26. Therefore, because of what we just read before this, he says, therefore, I run thus, not with uncertainty, thus I fight, not as one who beats the air. But I discipline my body, and I bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached others, I myself should become disqualified. Paul, I believe, I mean, he took his walk seriously. He took his relationship with Christ very serious. I believe we have all the reason in the world to get up every day and to make a priority in our life to spend time with the Lord and for the Lord to use us in our life. We have more reasons than any athlete that ever lived because we're doing it unto the Lord. In the sports world, if a person is disqualified from the games, it means that... uh, that person has really violated the rules. What rules has God given us? Lest I be disqualified. And I don't think he's talking about salvation here. He's talking about being disqualified in the sense of our being able to run this race, do well in it, be a witness for Christ in this world. In other words, 
that God is using me. I don't want to be disqualified in the sense that everything that I'm doing is opposite of really God being able to take control of my life and use me in a great way. There's certain rules and principles that every single one of us in this room have to follow. It's not just for some and, you know, some of you have different rules and you have different rules and different things that God's called you. We're all called to the same thing. J.B. Phillips' translation reads this way. I'm no shadow boxer. I really fight. I am my body's sternest master for fear that when I have preached to others... I should myself be disqualified. Paul understood the gospel. He understood what it took for a person to come into relationship with Jesus Christ. And I I believe Paul understood that what he needed to do in his own personal life to get that gospel out. To the Jew, I became a Jew. To a Greek, I became a Greek. Uh, Whatever it took... Paul says, whatever it takes in my life that I could lead and see somebody come to Christ, that's what I want to do. I don't want to be disqualified from this race that I'm in. I have a goal and a purpose in this life and what God has called me to do. The same goal and purpose for every single one of us. God wants you to glorify him by your life. He wants you to be a witness out in this world. He wants you to grow spiritually, to become stronger, that he might use you. When we come to this place every Sunday, when we pick up our word word and we read it and we pray, you're just getting built up. Why? For what? God is building you up because he wants to use you. You're a vessel that he wants to use in this world until he comes back. We need to always keep the goal in sight. These are just some thoughts for you to think about. Keep the goal in sight. Think about why you're here. Think about the race that you're in. Think about where you're going to end up. Think about 2015, what that means to you in your Christian walk. Look at the end of that and, and see that goal. Keep it in sight. Why are we here and where are we going? This is just temporary. This isn't going to go on forever. Be encouraged by that. We need to stay on track. You know, when that runner, a runner gets disqualified, if he runs off the track and cuts off the corner, hey, you just got disqualified. You got to stay in the lane. You got to stay on track. I believe that for this new year coming, 2015, we still have a few days. Maybe you haven't really sat down yourself personally and really kind of done an assessment. I've been, for a little while, doing that assessment in my own walk. Because, as I shared with you, I want to go further with the Lord. My prayer for our church, this fellowship, is that all of us would have that same mindset. Can you imagine what God will do in 2015 if he doesn't come back today can you imagine what the Lord will do in this fellowship in our lives if we are willing to 
count the cost and step up and really say, Lord, I want to go further with you this year. I want to go deeper with you, Lord. I want you to use me in a greater way. And to get to that point, it's going to require some discipline. And, it, and it's actually, to be honest with you, it's going to require some pain. The pain of discipline. It, it will. Because to grow in Christ is often quite painful. Why? Why, does it, why is it painful to grow? Why is it painful to grow in your relationship with Christ? Because we have to die. Something has to die. And when we die to self, God's able to get in there and do something more with you. I'll close with this verse out of 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 19. Paul writes this to the church at Thessalonica. He says, After all, what gives us hope and joy and what will be our proud reward and crown as we stand before our Lord Jesus when he returns, he says, it is you. Paul was talking about, it is, he says, it's you. It's you believers here at Thessalonica. You're the ones that are going to be my joy and crown. You see, Paul summed it all up into, at the end of this race, just think of when you cross that finish line someday. Will you have somebody by the hand, so to speak? Will you enter into eternity knowing that you led that person to Christ? Paul, when he looked at the believers there, he was proud of what God had done there. But his joy was them. He says, you are my pride and joy. He's talking about the believers there. When it comes down to it, when we boil all this thing down, it's all about people. Not about church. We're not here playing church. This is not church thing. It's about people. It's about lives. It's about people coming to know Christ. And God wants to use us here as a body. My prayer for this coming year for our church is that we're going to be a church that is going to have an impact in a greater way than we did in 2014 in people's lives. And uh, some of us are going to run hard and, and some of us might, we might have to grab somebody by the arm and drag them along in the race a little bit. But there are going to be some of us that are going to pick it up and we're going to step forward and we're going to run harder. Be encouraged that when you see other people running hard, a lot of times it it encourages others. When you run hard, you might encourage someone else to do the same. If you're here uh, this morning and maybe there there has been a a little bit of, of lack of zeal in your life, Maybe you've gotten away a little bit from maybe what you once did. And maybe there's, maybe this morning for some of us, maybe it's for a lot of us. Uh, there needs to be uh, just a, a renewal that will go on in our hearts and our minds this morning. And that the Lord knows. You see, God sees your heart. 
I just look out and I see all the people here and you know what? Your heart might be on fire and zealous and doing well in the Lord. I'm not, I'm not preaching this message in a judgment way. I'm just saying that you're, as you stand there before the Lord, you know where your heart's at with the Lord. You know where your zealousness is towards him and the things of God. And if those things are lacking, then right now as this song is, uh, as we're doing this worship song, just between you and the Lord, no one else knows. The important thing is, is what's going on in your heart. And if you just expose that heart before the Lord this morning right now with a heart of repentance before the Lord, God will meet you right where you're at. And God will come in and, and reignite something within you. And, and it's just as simple as repentance. Repentance is the most beautiful word in the Christian language. Lord, you receive when I repent. And Lord, you forgive. And God wants to do that. So let's, let's worship the Lord and let's set our hearts before him. God bless you guys.